Who Lord of the Rings Two Towers, uh, where we look at the Lord of the Rings films. Um, we take Nick on the journey of his lifetime, and join join him. Are Mark, hello, and myself, and we've got Nick as well. Hello, the Lord of the Two Towers Virgin, I believe. I never yes, you got this far. I have never been this yeah. far before with a Lord of the Rings. If you take another step. Oh. Be the furthest from the shy you've ever been. Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> and then every step after that, and then every the step after that yeah. that's how we should it. have watched the film. I mean, it's only like somewhere between nine and twelve hours long. Yeah, yeah, all um, of it. Yeah. yeah, the extended ones, and this is far out. No, I'm, I mean th- that one, like that one version of. Uh, yeah. of, of the fellowship where they cut that skin that scene in there anyway <laughs> <laughs> okay so as we said we are going through the Lord of the Rings films because it's the 20th anniversary of the fellowship of the ring that came out in 2001 the two towers um, came out a year later in 2002 and on a budget of only would you believe 94 million. Imagine that, 94 million. Alright, it made 947 million. Mm-hmm. All right, almost a billion. Made more than Fellowship. Alright, so there was an increase in popularity. Um, due to the popularity of the Fellowship, Peter Jackson was allowed to do reshoots and was given more money and went off and pro- released. What we should maybe discuss, discover one of the greatest sequels ever? Or is it a bit flabby? Too lean? Did it have problems? Um, right. Um, Nick, as we know, you've only just seen it. I have. This week. I yeah. literally finished it about an hour ago. Oh, it's good, fresh in your mind. Um, Mark? Yes. Tell me about your little bit, bit of a history of with this film. I saw it the moment it came out at the cinema. Uh, I think I saw it three times at the cinema. And then I bought the DVDs when they came out. And then I bought the extended edition DVDs when they came out. And then I bought the cinematic um, versions of the film when they came out on Blu-ray. And then the extended editions when they came out on Blu-ray. I haven't did you uh, buy for the 4K prints? I don't know if those are, are they put out 4K prints yet? I don't know. They are, yeah. Yep, okay. yeah I haven't yeah, plumped for yeah. those yet. But did you buy the stereoscopic 3D versions? No. Which I'm sure they released at some point. No. No, <laughs> probably they probably did. I never had a 3D yeah. television. It was I, only hate, the I hate 3D films, I think 3D's a fad. It was only the Hobbit that did it. But um like you Mark, I saw it twice at the cinema, day and date of release. Um, had the theatrical Blu-rays. I think I got the DVDs as well. Mm. Went to the extended DVD and Blu-ray. Um, I managed to get a special edition um, extended one with um, Gollum, statue of Gollum. Nice. And then I've gone to the Blu-ray versions of the extended. 
and I'm probably going to invest in a 4K special set that's released this year um, with all six films. Um, six. It's part of a special set. Six. Well, The Hobbit included. Oh, The Hobbits is what I see, yeah. yeah Funnily uh, enough, so, so the Mark, Mark, you went to the cinema to see this three times, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I went to the cinema to see the first Hobbit film three times. Why? Trivia. Or in in 48 frames per second. I I saw once in 3D uh, IMAX with the 48 frames per second. I saw once 3D without the high frame rate and once just the normal. Okay. Well, that's a different film. Let's not discuss that now. Um. (laughs) Another time. Another time. Right, so let's get into it. We're going to discuss little bits and bats of scenes and all that. We're not going to discuss all the plot. The plot is basically get the ring to Mordor, destroy the ring. And Two Towers is interesting in the sense of how it's written as a book. It's split into two books. First book is focused on Aragorn, um, Merry Pippin, Gimli and Legolas and their journey through Rohan and the Rohan's Rohirrim story. While the second book, the second half of the Two Towers focuses on um, Sam and Frodo and their journey with Gollum um, on their way to Mordor. Interesting. I mean, it could never be done that way, but Peter Jackson entwined all three tales um, in this film. Um, And it does have a definitive start, and it does have a definitive ending, despite the tale continuing. So, as all the Lord of the Rings films do, they start off with a little flashback. And this is probably the most recent flashback of all of them. Um, I think it's quite a good one. It is mentioned in the book. Gandalf does speak about it. And it's the Balrog versus Gandalf scene from Fellowship. And they extend it, don't they? It's a good way to open the film, really, to be honest. The the first film I've got the... um flashback with uh, um, the, the original War for the Ring and everything um, setting the scene for everything that's going to happen um, mm. the third film's got a good um, sort of flashback sequence at the beginning as well we'll come on to when we talk about that film but um, yeah this is a, a, a solid one um, and the way that it like immediately just snaps into Frodo waking up from a bad dream yeah yeah it does it, and the film starts off with um, Frodo and Sam. Um, it takes a tale straight off from the Fellowship. Um, they've left the Fellowship, they're walking, um, they've sort of lost a bit, and they're being stalked by Gollum, um, who they manage to capture, don't they? Yeah. And this, is, and this is our first proper look at Gollum. Yeah, you'd only seen him Gollum? like obscured or off in the distance in uh, the first film yeah I was, I, like I was saying in the last episode or the last last film we talked about the um, it feels like they hadn't finalised the design of Gollum while they were making the first film uh, because the, mm. the little bits of it you do get to see like his eyes and everything are very different to how they ended up being when they have proper Gollum in the second and third films yeah I mean, it's it's really well done. Andy Serkis um, was the actor behind Gollum. 
This was it. This um, was the role, was. wasn't it, that that um, established yeah. him as the um, motion capture guy, and and now he not only does like motion capture um, acting, um, <clears throat> like still to this day, but he owns a and runs a company that does mm. that, like helps pioneer the technology for motion capture acting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a director now. Yeah. As well, um, but yeah, this is this is his breakout role, really, isn't it? I mean, really, before this, you didn't really want to know the people behind um, animation as such, but he was so believable in this, and he's been directed along with Fred and Sam by Peter Jackson throughout. When you see the background into it, you can see him in his full motion capture suit mm. and all that, and he's taking full part. And all that. Yeah. What do you think about Gollum then, Nick? I liked Gollum. Yeah. Good character. Um, good bit of, um, I suppose, character development from Frodo. Um, obviously, in, when in the first film, in the mines, he said uh, something along the lines of like, "Oh, we should have, I oh, wish he'd have died or something." Um, hmm. And obviously, I think Frodo becomes quite attached to Gollum. Well, obviously, some scenes later on in the film, um, but we won't get ahead of ourselves. Um, but I think it's it's quite it's almost a redemption story, I think, for for Smeagol because yeah, everything you've seen up until this point is he's not a nice per. Well, obviously, the ring kind of tainted him, mm-hmm. and he's the idea that you get from the first film is that he's forever this sort of nasty shell of a person left now. Um, get on the level and start to feel quite sorry for him and um yeah it's it's like like you say really good role played um by circus and yeah very good yeah i think all three of them are in top form because straight away sam doesn't trust now trust him does he straight away and that's and that's going to play out later on in the third film but straight away he doesn't trust him but i mean you can sense almost like the, the ring took Gollum so much he cannot abide anything elvish, whether it's bread or the rope. <laughs> he just cannot abide. Ah, uh, is that why he didn't like the bread? Uh, I see. Yeah, because it's elvish bread. I thought it can't taste that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's like a combination of that and also the sort of like his capture and mistreatment mm. by the elves. Maybe, the, yeah, the Wood Elves, or also the fact that he spent decades, if not hundreds of years, living in isolation, eating nothing but raw fish. Mm. Yeah, tasty fish. It's, it's tasty fish. Yeah, loves that. But yeah, it, there's a bit of I think something there within him that just just goes anti-elf and just can't abide anything. It. Um, anyway, Gollum swears. Follow the master, the ring, swears on the ring, and he swears to be a guide for them to Mordor. And then it switches, and this is where we um, follow Entwine the stories. So it switches off basically, and this is wonderful. I love this scene because I don't know where the farm is placed in New Zealand, but it doesn't look like the fellowship. Rohan is totally different um, in terms of its landscape and everything. Feels very Wild West almost. A little bit greener, but very plain. The great open 
Great Plains of America, where you can run these horses out wild and Gimli, Aragorn, and Legolas are just running. And this next, the first part of the two towers for these three characters running, chasing after orcs. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. But I just think the scenery the is just truly, truly epic in this in this film. Yeah, definitely. I, we talked about it a little bit in the last last one. Um, they couldn't have found a better backdrop to put this film against than the beauty of New Zealand. And New Zealand couldn't find a better advert. Oh, yeah, exactly, yep. yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> um, we come along to one of um, the famous scenes from a video. The Hobbits are going to Isengard. Um, I mean... Legolas must see that that elf, those elven eyes must see for miles, miles and miles. Yep. And like the who? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, just like the who. <laughs> now, in the extended version, you get a scene with the what they call the Dunlendings. They're a group of men who swear to Saruman and they perform attacks on Rohan. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in the normal theatrical version, um, but basically they were but the wild men tribe. Oh, the wild men. Oh, I can't they're called Dunlendings, have it? Yeah, Dunlendings. I had to look it up. I don't yeah. I did sort of remember. I used to play Middle Earth role playing, and one of them, you could be a Dunlending, mm. a wild man. Um, but yeah, they swear to Saruman and they're attacking Rohirian villages all over the place. Killing, um, and this first hour we're introduced straight away to the probably the main figures in um, the story of Rohan: Eamon, um, Eowyn, Fyrdin, and Grima Wormtongue. What do you think about these? Then start with the two, the two brother and sister, Eamon and Eowyn. Well, first of all, I want to make a little um, comment on um, Edoras. The yeah. the design of it is um i would say must have been a very very large influence you remember in skyrim the first town that you come to mm. the first proper town that you come to white run yeah and it's like uh on a sort of like rocky outcrop in the middle of um you know big open grassland plains ringed with mountains on all sides and that's exactly what edoras is um mm. I just like yeah. Uh, remember the first time I played Skyrim and I saw that town. I was like, "All right, okay, I get what they're doing here." <laughs> um, yeah, um, this I think this was the first film I ever saw with Carl Urban in. Yeah, uh, and I gotta say, didn't think he was very good. Um, it's I, I, he, I think he's fantastic in in, in other things. Um, I don't know. He just seems a little bit. I don't know what how to describe it. Something just a little bit off about his performance. Um, but he's it, he hasn't got much to work with. Though, he doesn't it? have a has huge it? amount to work with. No. Um, there's some fun lines between him and um, the three our three hunters, especially with oh. Gimli. Yeah, like the I cut off your head, beard and all, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. <laughs> um, 
that like a straight out of the book um but on the whole on the whole he's kind of like a bit of a nothing character in this in 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 this film um he has a few little bits of dialogue gets moody gets sent away but doesn't really do it and then comes back but doesn't really do a huge amount um uh eowyn is a much more important character uh and I can't remember the name of the actress who plays her. I don't think I've seen her in anything really? else. Yeah, sorry, she's been twenty-four. Okay, the last season of twenty. Miranda Otter. Is she a Kiwi Australian? <clears throat> she might be Australian. Okay, oh, I probably um, should have. Miranda Otto is Australian. Yeah, thought so. Yeah, a lot of um, Antipodean actresses and actors in this in this series as. I should expect, uh, but yeah, I thought she was she was fantastic, um, very important character, and she she carried the role admirably. Um, uh, yeah, um, Brad Dourif uh, as um, Grieva Wontung is fantastic. Uh, I couldn't think yeah. of anyone who could play that role better. And he's not someone who usually plays particularly creepy characters. Like uh, one of his other like biggest roles is he plays like the Doctor in uh, Deadwood, and he's not a creepy character at all. He's like probably one of the only wholesome no. people in that entire town. Um, but he's so so creepy uh, in uh, in this as uh, Green Wontung. Um and um, I can't remember the actor's name who plays. Um, um, oh, Bernard. Bernard, yeah, whatever. He plays King. Theodore. King Theoden, yeah. Um, yeah, Bernard. Bernard. Bernard Cribbins. Bernard Hill. It's not Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> um, Bernard Hill. Bernard Hill, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he was in Gandhi. Was he? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic actor uh and he plays that role really well. yeah yeah so yeah i think in the book where you talk about irma irma had more of a relationship with aragon they're always talking about you know meeting up and fighting together and being best buds and stuff yeah and everything that's not that don't really come through in the film as such i don't think they've written it in that way no um Eowyn, yeah, excellent. I thought she was truly brilliant, and they give her more of a central role than um, even the book does, because the book sort of like has her there, and there's some sort of there's a hint of romance between her and Aragorn. Well, that's all um, it is. She is, kind of like for, in the books yeah. for most of like for at least most of the second book until she uh, until well right up until partway through the third book when she kind of snaps out of it and decides to do something. She just mopes yeah. around, feeling miserable because she can't have Aragorn. And that's it. Yeah. She that's she does it, not mean. she does not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> but she does have a stronger role in the film, which is good. Out of the entire film of this, this is the storyline that I didn't get on with at first watch. Um, okay. Yeah, I I just didn't. When sort of obviously the orcs were attacking the uh, village, um, and then those two children escape on horseback, I was like, "Oh, two children!" Sort mm. of Claire, Claire just was sort of like come, came in and sat down, and she was like, "Oh, what's happened?" And I said, um, "These 
the village is on fire and two children have just escaped on horseback, I'm pretty sure they're going to be important at some point in the future. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't really get on with this plot line, um, but that might be... I don't know. I don't know if it's it's better when you know actually what what's kind of coming on and you know all the lore and history behind it, but they, I don't think they did a great deal of of good setting that up in the film, personally. No, no I agree. I think, I think we, yeah, I agree with that. Rohan is not really set up. It's not um, fleshed out particularly well. No. No. And Basically, it, they're it, just I'll, horse lords. I'll tell you why. And even though this film has a four-hour runtime, um, the reason why, and I, okay, I said this, this, or, or, uh, might as well get into it now. Uh, this film is my favorite of the trilogy. Um, it's very close to, uh, the, the Fellowship of the Ring is a very close second to, uh, Two Towers. Um, but this is my favorite of the trilogy. But it is also the one where you start to see Peter Jackson indulging himself shall we say um, mm. and so we get uh, a battle that takes over the entire third act of a film um, and his his his, his, his uh, lack of restraint going forward was a, became a bit of a problem I mean there's, I'd like the battle sequence and we'll talk about it when we come on to it but the fact that it's so long meant that other aspects of the story that are more fleshed out in the books and more fleshed out in the radio play were not given the time that they needed in the film mm. quite as much as, as I would like. I still love it. It's still my favorite of the trilogy. But yeah, I agree. They could have spent some more time developing or making the characters care about making the viewer, sorry, care about some of these mm. characters. Uh. I mean, you, you do, yeah. because they, they, these characters, all of them persist into the next film, so mm. it, the, your relationship grows with them as you go on, but in terms of this film, it's like what you, you don't you don't really get much of a feeling of like why the why Rohan and why the Rahirim are so important and why why the the you know anyone should care? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, you don't because um, it seems like the it's almost like incidental that Gimli, Aragorn, and Legolas fall into this story. That Rohan's experiencing problems and they're just chasing after Merry and Pippin, and they just incidentally just trips into the story. Like, and Rohan's got his problems, but. When it comes clear why Rohan is important, it's more clear. It's more. It is explained better in the book that Rohan is an ancient ally of Gondor, and to get to get rid of Gondor, you have to knock out the allies of Gondor, and one of them being Rohan, or the main one. And it's like the two towers refer to Isengard and Baradur. And that's where we get this the two towers for, and it, this one's just focused on Isengard and oh, well, the Tower of Orthanc. And um, but yeah, 
it's not really fleshed out why Rohan is so important. Is it Isengard and Barador? Yeah, I think it I is. thought it I was like it, I think Minas Tirith and Minas Ithil. Yeah, but they're not really, they're not really mm, even in the book. Well, they, they go to Minas through. Ithil, don't they? That's where they are not. I guess it it doesn't happen until the next film. Um, yeah. yeah, but they go to Minas Ithil. But, but, but I'm sure that happens in the second book. I'm, I'm I don't know. Um, I could be wrong. But I I I was under the impression that the two towers referred to Minas Tirith and Minas Ithil. But I. Mm. Um, I, be, I, I was I was I was I was far. I don't know if I read it somewhere. By its Orphan Horizon Guard. It turned um, it, in terms of the film that makes sense because that's it's yeah. it's about Frodo and Sam making their way towards Mordor and yeah. uh, everyone else having to deal with Isengard. Yeah, yeah. that's a, I I can't remember, I don't know if it's if somebody mentioned it or if it's lore or something. I have to look it up. And um, either way, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, I still think it's kind of, uh, well, uh, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere, and I should have looked this up because I mentioned it last time as well, that there was some pushback into calling the film The Two Towers because this film came out just over a year after September 11th. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do seem to yeah, remember saying that. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, I couldn't understand it, but. Yeah, I do remember at the time there was some sort of discussion based about it, but but they were the like twin this... towers, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah but you know what I mean. I know, yeah. You know how yeah. sensitive Americans can get. Um, That's it. Yeah, the the the, the, the yeah. Even in the theatrical version, this stuff's kind of this this whole aspect of the, of the story is a little bit rushed. Um, even though it takes up the vast majority of the film, the the, the Sam and Frodo stuff is kind of a sideshow. Um, makes up a very small portion of the film. But the whole mm. hey um, Theoden um, Saruman's made a big army and it's on its way. And he's like, yeah. I will not I will not like risk more bloodshed with open war. And it's like <sighs> Saruman's made a big army and it's on its way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much clearer we can make this. He's like, I tell you what every, what we'll do is we'll abandon our home and we'll go and hole up in a castle and a cliff face mm. and it's like well why like I, I, I never understood it's like the ancient fortress of um, Helm's Deep and it's like Helm. why isn't that your capital instead of this admittedly very picturesque town well on a rock in the middle of an open field I just thought that Helm's Deep was a it's not a long term thing but I can't remember what the whole history of Helm, Helm's Deep was. But well, they built I this giant fortress and this huge wall into the side of a mountain, and then lived somewhere else. Yeah, but I think it was. I think because they were basically their horse lords. Yeah. That they want the open space to roam around. I get it. Edoras yeah, right. is 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 the capital, but Helm Helm's Deep is a place where if they are under attack. Mm. They will retreat to. Suppose. I get it. Yeah, but um, it's a bit like a Motton Bailey castle. Yeah, but miles away because it's yeah, further north. Just very spread out. Yeah. Well, Rohan's big, and we want to ro- ro- you know, get the ho- horses going. Um. So we co- 
going back to the story a little bit, um, we're then introduced to the third strand with Merry and Pippin, who were captured by orcs. Basically, they get into the forest of Fanghorn after a battle um, where the Ruahim killed a bunch of orcs. And they meet um, Treebeard. Yay! And they. And for when they enter Fanghorn Forest, and right after, a, a, like a, there's a like I do quite like. We, we don't need to really get into it much, but I re- I do really enjoy the scene between the um, like the big burly Urukai and the slightly more twisted, misshapen orcs. Um, well, the, the the arguments between the two of them, and then one of them yeah. like whether they should eat the hobbits or like just eat their legs, mm. and then he kills him, and then there's the immortal yeah. looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> that whole uh, sequence uh, is really good. I don't remember that being in the books at all. Oh, we're not coming no further till we've had a breather. Get a fire going. Mary. Mary, I think we might have made a mistake leaving the Shire, Pippin. What's making that noise? It's the trees. What? Do you remember the old forest on the borders of Buckland? Folk used to say there was something in the water that made the trees grow tall and come alive. Alive. Trees that could whisper, talk to each other, even move. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? in the books it's there was an orc called Grishnak and I don't yeah. know if one of the orcs is called Grishnak now in the book and I think and it comes through it, and this is the fault of the film it's not really clear in the books the Saruman's Urukai meet Mordor's orcs because Mordor's orcs don't really travel under the sun no. and they both have a massive conflict and 
I think Grishnak is one of the ones his arcs have killed and taken over because Firakaya fast and can run underneath the sun. But that, that that's where that conflict comes from, where basically the hobbits were either going to go to Isengard or they were going to go to Mordor, and um, they end up going to Isengard because Firakaya is stronger. But yeah, you're right, it didn't come... That was just one thing, maybe one or two lines, or the eye wants it. I mean, it could have been easily solved. You know, reference to the eye, you know, you know what we're talking about in this film. Um, so, yeah, Fangorn Forest. Um, Treebeard basically kills the orc that comes after Merry and Pippin, who was wounded with a spear. Um, cause, and he thinks they're orc, <laughs> orclings and start squeezing them as well. Um... Treebeard is voiced by Gimli, John Rhys Davis. So he had yeah, two roles in this film. Um, I, 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 I like his performance in this, but I also kind of wish that someone else had done the voice of uh, Treebeard because it's really obviously the same person who's, yeah. who plays Gimli. Even even I picked up yeah. on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I imagine Brian Blessed doing um, Treebeard. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Could have had that. Gilbert, but yeah, Gilbert um, Gottfried. Um, anyone? Yeah. There was a lot of references around this time in the film. Of, just, um, just a sidebar. Have you ever seen that clip of... Um, uh, it was like a college humour sketch or something like that of Gilbert Gottfried recording the audiobook version of Fifty Shades yes, of Grey? Yes, I have actually. No. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Keep still, he orders, and slowly he inserts his thumb inside me, rotating it around and around, stroking the front wall of my vagina! No fisting, you say. Anything else you object to? I agree to the fisting, but I'd really like to claim your ass! I was just going to say that a lot of references to the White Wizard, um, and we are all led to believe that this is Saruman wandering final forest. Yeah. And even the hobbits had dropped in front of a mm. White Wizard. Um, I'm just going to mention one scene where I think. what. I really like it, particularly the start of this is where they um, show Aragorn's skills as a tracker. You know, as a ranger, as a one of the hunters, he's able to decipher what actually went on when, with Merry and Pippin when three of them think they're dead. He discovers that they've actually went into Fangholm Forest and he goes along with it. Um, but one of the scenes is when he kicks an orc helmet, isn't it? And he lets it out, this massive cry. Yeah. Well, that scene was kept in, and at that point, when he let out a massive cry, he actually broke his big toe. He did, yeah, he did. Um, (laughs) Kicking the helmet. So that's not just a cry, acting cry, that's probably a big cry of pain. Um, So they enter Fangon Forest, um, they eventually meet a white being, and they are warned about it, they need to be attacking straight away. And I thought this is really well done. Really well done, the thought. Because if you don't know the book, if you haven't read the book and you're unaware, um, you think the White Wizard is Saruman, uh, but it doesn't. It turns out to be who's back from resurre- the resurrection. Oh, um, Gandalf. Oh, Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the 
Peter Jackson did a good job. I think, you know, in the book, it's a lot easier to disguise it. But when they put him in this white glare and they do Christopher Lee's voice over. Yeah, and it's like Christopher Lee's uh, voice yeah. warping it into Ian McKellen's voice and back and forth, and the modulation's yeah. really interesting, and they do some, yeah, yeah. some cool stuff. Um, with the sound design and the fact that he's like completely backlit so all you can see is just white robes and white hair and you think oh you, like, if you don't know you're like oh shit it's Saruman but yeah yeah, yeah it's, well, it's a good yeah. scene it's well done um, touching reunion uh, between Gandalf and those yeah. characters um, but not for long because they've got more pressing matters to deal with I guess I know Oh, don't worry um, about Merry and Pippin. Not, They're hanging out with my friend, the walking fucking tree. <laughs> and they're going to cause a massive ruckus. Yeah. They'll have like a stone... Was it rolling down the hill, turning into an avalanche or something? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the stone in the mountains that causes an avalanche, yeah. Or whatever the line yeah, is. That, yeah, that metaphor or whatever it was. Um, it's quite good um, in that sense, but... Very spiritual. I find this film very spiritual, in the sense of you do get a lot of mysticism. Gandalf coming back, <clears throat> you know, he was sent back. He, you know, he killed the Balrog. His job isn't finished. Do you know what? You know, I, despite the how in, uh, engrossed in the Tolkien mythology I've been, um, and. In everything to do with Middle Earth, and I've read a fair amount about uh, the life of Jarrah Tolkien. I don't really know anything about his views on religion. He was good friends with C.S. Lewis, who was definitely mm. um, some form of Christian, right? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, he was. Um, I think they were I, both I, a bit. Yeah, I think it was mm. probably unusual if you weren't at that time. Oh yeah, definitely. But like C.S. Lewis was proper into it, wasn't he? Oh yeah, 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 full on. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I think talking one, once again though, this is kind of uh, another for me anyway. It was Gandalf sort of being resurrected was like the just once again gave the uh, similarity between that and Aslan in *Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe*, um, mm. which you know I. I think it, it it probably is just plays into the like whole spirituality and religion kind of angle that everyone was probably yeah. writing at that point. However, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to note that the two best friends have very similar storylines. I mean, it's a pretty mm. common theme in ancient mythology as well. Yeah, but uh, like characters uh, dying and coming back to life. Yeah, but going along with the bit that I mentioned the other. The other oh, episode yeah, 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 about yeah. with the Father Christmas and the elf woman. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, reading about it, he was mm. a Roman Catholic. Okay. Um, his mother, com- his mother converted to a, be a Roman Catholic, and then raised him in it. Mm. So he remained a devout Catholic throughout his life, and also he was one of those. So it was him, C.S. Lewis, and another writer or two more. That spent a lot of time together in Oxford, didn't they? They went to a pub. There's a pub you can go in Oxford where they spent a hell of a lot of time discussing things. Mm. So it's not surprising that they did have a lot of similarities. And you know, Gandalf comes back as a you know in resurrection. The job's mm. not finished. 
Yeah, he sort of he sort of forgets who he was is is as well and realizes you know yes I was Gandalf for grey now I am Gandalf for white mm. you know that type of thing so he's almost become more powerful he's overtaken um, Saruman as the head of the order so yeah it's good one thing I did like him <laughs> there was a bit of better background in the uh, books so Shadowfax. You know, it sort of just comes up, doesn't it? Like Shadowfax is the lord of all horses. Yeah. The best horse in the He's, um, yeah, the, 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 he just has this horse in in the yeah. film. It's like, well, did he always have that horse? Uh, where did the horse come from? How come he didn't have that that horse? Or if he did have that horse in the first film, he doesn't mention that his horse is some, something special, some special horse. But he doesn't. In, in the first book, he has just a regular old horse, I guess. Um, yeah. And then... It's, it's later. It's like, is it once he frees? Doesn't he? All right, hang on. So it's, it, I'm, I'm getting no. a bit confused. Does he go to Edoras before finding the other two in the other three in Fangorn and help uh, free? I'm not sh- because he does something um, and is. Given is offered a favor, and his favor he asks for their swiftest horse uh, from the yeah, Rahirim. The Rahirim give him Shadowfax. No, I think what it was. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether he. I don't think he goes before his resurrection. I sort of get the feeling that he went when he, on his way down to Isengard. I'm not Isengard. Oh no! Hang on! Hang Isengard. on! Hang on! No, he gets Shadowfax later in the book. Right. I'm not sure. It's just that, basically, I think Grima was there already, working his way on Fearden. And Fearden, in a fit of anger, just said, take any horse. So he takes Shadowfax. He doesn't give him his swiftest horse. Because he's refused at first, and he keeps asking, and just basically says, I'll just take a horse. And he takes Shadowfax. Yeah. And they're all, and they're all, a, bit, and they're all a bit annoyed at him. Oh, yeah, no, Fearden says, take any horse and be gone. And then he yeah. takes Shadowfax and goes, that's it. Yeah, all right, I remember now. Yeah. But that's not explained because there's a bit of background with Feard and Gandalf and Grima who they've met before and, you know, there's a bit of this antagonism between the two, but that doesn't really come out through this. But um, when the, I think it's quite good. Like I say, Idaras is, is a wonderful place and yeah. very scenic and mm-hmm. very... Peter Jackson's just staying it, and when when it sweeps around Mirando Otto's, it's just, but that place where they filmed it, they had to get to it by helicopter, didn't they? Yeah. And they built Edoras in that place, yep. and the only way to get to it was via helicopter. Mm-hmm. So, but there's nothing for miles and miles, and it's when they come up and you know, and Grima says, make sure he doesn't bring his staff in and. Yeah, would he take a staff off an old man? Was that sort of um, hint to makes makes um, the warrior uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and they let him in? And once again, I like the use of magic. You know, subtle magic isn't a fl- yeah, very subtle, not flashy. Mm. You know, he at first he tries to get rid of uh, Saruman by using his words, and but then he realizes he has to put more power into it, and bit. It's good how it cuts. When he hits him, sort of, he's actually hitting Saruman, not um, Fearden. Yeah. 
It's good. Um, the, the 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 sort of the Saruman speaking through th- th- um, speaking through Thader when he says like you know if if I go there then dies and everything. And it's with Saruman's voice that was kind of cool. And when when he finally not like takes him out and the the fading from the old man makeup to the like regular Thaden face mm. was very well done. Um, yeah, cool scene. Um, what follows afterwards is just like. No, it's a bit again. It's it's a bit um, truncated, isn't it? It's like oh, Thaden, you've been you've been in mind control for a while. Um, yeah. Your son's dead. Mm. Um, your your other son's uh, gone off, and he's taken all most of your army with him. Um, his nephew. His nephew. Sorry, his nephew. Uh, it's gone off and taken most of the army with you because you sent him away. Um, Saruman's sending a whole lot of a uh, whole army here. Um, what do you want to do? <laughs> and, it's just, yeah. and it's just like, okay, um, I'm going to bury my son, uh, and then we're going to piss off and hide in a castle behind a big wall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And Gandalf goes, "I'm off to find Emma and look yeah. for me on the fifth day of the morning, morning's light." Or yeah, there's a bit of a cryptic uh, prophecy there. Mm. Um, so that's essentially. Where I'll just stop there with that sort of thread at that time because um, they're all going to go to Helm's Deep. Um, I will mention though, but on the way to Helm's Deep, there is a battle that's introduced that's not in the book. No, um, the Warg Riders. That is the yeah. Warg Riders. Once again, I quite I liked it. There was an absence of sound again when the book hit. Um, and it was, I noted it. I was interested to see because the two towers, it take on the extended version. It's about two hours before that battle happens with the Warg Riders, yeah. and essentially you've had no battle apart from a little small skirmish. What you sort of get a little hint of with the orcs and the Rohirrim. And yet, apart still, that, it's the Rohirrim feel a little bit underdeveloped, even though you've yeah. spent the most the large portion mm. of the last two hours with them they still feel a little yeah. bit underdeveloped yeah the book has more characters you see the book has more there's another important Rohirian warrior who has more troops and Gandalf's gone to get him as well and Eomer and bring them yeah. all together there's a lot more but, we, we could <laughs> repeat ad infinitum there's a lot more in the books but yeah, yeah. Um, um, I like that scene that was added. The whole bit with um, Aragorn being thrown off the cliff edge and then coming back later was like yeah. seemed just like an excuse for him to have another weird dream sequence with um, yeah with Arwen. with Arwen. Um, well, um, Liv Tyler hasn't done anything in this film yet. Let's put a scene with her in. Um, yeah. But on the whole, I quite like that scene. It was the, the, the uh, um. Another little bit of like, there are two very different types of humor in these films. There's the humor that's in the books, and then there's mm. the humor that Peter Jackson put in. The yeah. humor in the books still works. Most mm. of the humor that Peter Jackson inserts works. Some of it feels a little bit forced, right? And there's one of those moments in that scene when Gimli's about to hit. Uh, hit one of the the wags with his with his axe and Legolas yeah. shoots it and he's like oh that counts as mine and it's like yeah. it's fine um, 
they kind of run that joke into the ground a bit towards the end of the film um yeah but that's in the book isn't it the counting not to not in the way that it's presented in the film yeah yeah um, yeah. I don't know. I, think they're, they're, I always thought that their relationship was was a lot more believable in the book than it was in the film. Hmm. It's developed more in this because when we first meet with Rohirrim, Legolas is straight away quick to defend him. Yes. And I yeah. think it, the, the sort of hint is that Lothlorien's changed in both because Gimli's mellowed his way towards elves and Legolas is sort of like had his rough edges shown off him about pulled the, the stick out of his butt yeah so there's a bit of that yeah. but the thing with the Rohirrim I did get the feeling especially when there's a scene with that scene where Aragorn's going back to Helm's Deep on the horse mm-hmm. it's all Peter Jackson's western movie Wild West yeah it's all it is sort of filmed as a Wild West film yeah in a, a bit of like um, the good the bad the ugly the, uh, the 60s Killing Eastwood films mm. In uh, that type of feel towards it, and especially with Aragorn going back, but, uh, and I liked it. I did like it. Um, but I think we'll stop there with that thread. And Helm's Deep is the truly, truly, truly epic um, thing about it. One thing I will say about it, uh, the timing. The timing does feel a bit weird because Aragorn meets the orcs, then runs to Helm's Deep. It's like how far? How far do these orcs absolutely march? When you look at the map between Isengard and Helm's Deep, it's quite far. But these orcs have been marching in rank file for a long time. Hmm. But that's a side issue. Um, shall we go with Frodo? Shall we go with Frodo? Frodo, Sam? Follow that thread of me? Yeah, we'll, might as well spank through that because there's not, there's not a huge amount there, to be honest. Um, no. Frodo, as as they're making their way, Frodo says to like Gollum's been there, and uh, yeah. he's like, "Tell us, take us to the gate." And Fro- and, and Gollum's like, "Okay, I'll take you to the gate." Um, yeah. As they go along, Sam is incredibly suspicious of of uh, Gollum, quite rightly. Mm. Um, Frodo feels very sorry for him because I guess he sees what could happen to mm. him if he lets the rings influence take hold of him um and they just travel their way across some incredibly nasty um terror like uh, environments there's dead the marshes, the dead marshes yeah. which was the battlefield of the what the the, the 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 prologue section in the first film yeah it's that battlefield yeah. and it's all the dead there their bodies and their spirits sort of live like survive in the marshes um mm. That bit always creeped me out in the old radio play, the way that it's presented <laughs> there. Um, um, they see some. Um, oh, and then they get. They finally get to the gate, and the. Mm. Um, the well, what are they? I can't remember what. What Easterlings? The Easterlings, yeah, the Easterlings. Um, it's not something I think we should really get into in this discussion, but there's. Some of some of the descriptions, uh, shall we say, of the peoples who come, who mm. are quite happy to join in with the Dark Lord, um, mm. in the books, are problematic by modern day standards. 
Mm. Um, they're all like analogous for um, ethnic minorities, basically, particularly yeah. um, um, people from the Far East and people from the Middle East. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a bit, bit of a shame, but it was a different time. Um, uh, and then they finally get to the gate and they're about to go through the gate and then Gorm's like why would you go through the gate and they were like because that's the way into Mordor he's like no it's not the best way into Mordor and like, why did you take us here and he's like because you asked me to <laughs> <laughs> essentially they're like I know a better way a way that won't get yeah. you killed um, yeah. P.S. inside his head it'll totally get them killed um, but yeah. it'll get them killed in a way where I get to keep the ring um, yeah, and then yeah, they decide to go. So he's he's taking them towards um, mm. Kirith Ungol, right? That's the way yeah. in the pass through the mountains. I just want to mention two scenes because the Dead Marshes isn't that's where Gollum has his famous mm. two-sided schizophrenic um, talk with himself, Gollum Smeagol. And actually, Smeagol gains the courage. I, I think it's a brilliant scene. And Smeagol gains the courage to basically tell Gollum to go away. Because Gollum's a persona that's protected Smeagol yeah. as such. Yeah. And that's, and that's really well done. Um, Andy Serkis is brilliant in that scene, just getting the two characters within um, Smeagol's mind and showing it how it um, appears. I mean, that's really good. Mm -hmm. And the other one was um, where the Black Riders, where the Black Rider comes in through the marsh. and On the Fell Beast. Yeah, the Fell Beast. And you introduced the Black Riders again after they're um, vanquished in the Ford of Rivendell. But um, that scene where it, they're hiding and it swoops round, that's a painting. That's taken from a painting done before. For um, the films were made, and I don't know if it's Alan Lee or another person. There are a couple of. Um, I mentioned this book last time. If you if you are at all interested, I don't know how difficult it is to get hold of these days. There's a fantastic book called The Tolkien Bestiary, and if you're ever if you're interested in the the world of of um, you know Middle Earth. Uh, and a little more interested in some of like the history and the different creatures and flora and fauna and civilizations that live there. It's a fantastic book. Um, all of mm. the entries are accompanied with the most beautiful artwork and very, very disparate styles by different artists. But a number of those artists did a lot of the concept art, map paintings, um, costume designs and things like that for the films. So there's like a direct yeah, line uh, between the films and the Tolkien Bestry, which was written back in the 80s, I think. Yeah, and I can't remember, who it did, but it's, it's just nice to see there's that. David, uh, David Day was like the main person who, who worked David, on that, yeah. Uh, um, 1978, yeah. that book was originally put together, and wow. there's like a direct line between some of the designs um, that you see. In, it's, a, it's, an, it's a fantastic book. Fantastic. Mm. I cannot recommend it enough. If you like a good art book and you like Tolkien, it's this beautiful. Yeah. It's just nice to see that he's taken his 
inspiration, not from paintings as well, where he said, oh, I like that painting. I like the look of that. I'll film exactly how it's done in that painting. Because mm-hmm. as it sweeps across them and they're hiding underneath the log or something, it's exactly like that. Yeah. How do you th- what do you think, Nick, so far about Frodo, Sam, Gollum, that little st- thread of story going through the film? Um, Up to the Black Gate. Yeah, I mean, that's, like I say, I think that's, at the moment, anyway, in the, in the film where we're up to, that's kind of the, the main thread that kept me interested. Apart from the trees and Merry and Pippin, mm. I am all for the light comic relief provided by Merry, Pippin and Gollum. Uh, yeah. Until it gets quite sad, obviously, like we just said, with the like the Gollum Smeagol sort of dual sided conversation. Um, mm. That was pretty heavy, to be honest. I wasn't expecting anything like that, um, but very well handled and very well done. It's mm. it's the beginning of uh, the Merry and Pippin going from being useless bumbling just comic relief <laughs> into being yes still comic relief but also having an important role to play in the story because it's them that convinces the, it uh, is eventually like yeah. in another hour's time but at the moment they are still just drinking water and trying to be taller than each other yes yeah <laughs> i'm wishing they had some special water weed yeah yeah that is special water that allows them to grow yeah because yeah. it's um yeah, that that sort of joke does continue throughout the film, um, but yeah. So we get to the Black Gate. Like I say, Gollum wants to go elsewhere, so they travel elsewhere. Um, there with them, so we go to not the trees, Nick, because Marx keeps having uh, fits of anger when you say trees. The ants. <laughs> Those things. <laughs> those things Ents so Ents they are basically the they look after trees yeah um, in Fangorn Forest they're like the tree herders um, they've been heard about um, by the hobbits because Buckland up that, oh, that distant thing that's mentioned in the books alright it's meant to have these type of trees and tree beard laments about women you know where all the female Ents you know, does he do it in the film? So he laments it, certainly laments it in the book. What's that? Sorry, laments about the tree women. The, oh, not the tree women. The ant women. The um, the ant wives. Um, yeah. I think he does in the book. Again, it's it's been a little while yeah. since I read them. Does it? Does in the book? Mm. And he, he does it in the film as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does in the film. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. And they said they lost. Laments they lost them. It. Yeah, and they yeah, don't know how to find them. them. Like, yeah. No, yeah. So that scene sort of plays out, and basically they go, <laughs> they meet you meet other ants, um, and they have a ant moot, an ant moot, um, to Mary and Pippin's complete and utter bemusement, anger, and <laughs> chagrin. Seems to take forever. It takes about eight hours to say hello. <laughs> yeah, and then they decide to not do anything. Yeah. yeah. They're very, they're very much like uh, Keir Starmer's opposition, basically, <laughs> <laughs> or the Liberal Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> they also decided Mary and Pippin went orcs. That was very important, yes, it was a very important part of the meeting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they can't believe it. 
Um, and the Merry and Pippin basically trick Treebeard to go south towards Isengard. To yeah, their um, the reasoning to him is like the closer away from the closer to, to danger, the fire further away <laughs> from harm you are. He's like, oh, I guess yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> so he takes him down there, and then yeah, sees that um, Saruman's been ripping up the forest and burning the forest and plugging the damming the river and whatnot. And he's he's a very 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 angry ent. Yeah, you don't want to be on the wrong side of no. a very, very angry end. So he calls the Ents all to um, war, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, where are we now? So we've got uh, Gimli, Aragorn, and Legolas all in Helm's Deep. We've got Merry and Pippin who have manoeuvred themselves. Uh, and Treebeard into Isengard and Frodo and Sam now are leaving the Black Gate and I can't remember this are they going south or north yes Kirith Ungol is to the south of the Black Gate yeah so it's right at the corner isn't it it's another yeah, corner essentially. type of yeah it's a path through yeah. the mountains so, yeah so, they're walking down south, and one of the things that Sam's always wanted to see is an oliphant. Basically an elephant, yeah. but much, much, much bigger. And the Easterlings, as they are, uh, and all these other groups of man- managed tribes, are all f- going to supplement the Dark Lord's armies. And they see this oliphant walking down, and they're attacked by the men of Gondor. Um, but in, before that happens, the funny, funny scenes about... Um, it's very casual now, the relationship between Sam and Gollum and Frodo. In that sense of... Um, talk about um, chips, don't they? Um, Potatoes. What's, uh, potatoes and what's Sam going to do with the rabbits? And he's going to cook them and like, just have them raw and stuff yeah. and... Yeah, and this is when they see the Oliphant. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's that scene is straight out of the um, book. Out of the book as well. Yeah, I mean yeah. the the way that that Faramir and uh, his lot come upon um, Frodo and Salmon uh, is not the same in the in in the in the, the book they like Faramir's lot assault like uh, ambush the the Easterlings. Um, and then come across Frodo and Sam, but uh, they get captured in the book because of the the campfire. Yes, yeah, they are. I mean, I suppose you could argue that the campfire was spotted because they didn't really try to hide the smoke. Did they? No. So, well, they didn't think anyone else was out there. No, and that it was probably spotted before the attack happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, feel, you see this oliphant that's quite large. Um, it's got weapons in between its tusks and it's curled. Um, Sam's really happy to see it because I think in the book it's more important because he can tell his gaffer, his, his dad, that he's seen one. And um, what happens is they are captured by Faramir. Mm-hmm. Now, Faramir, we... 
It's good we're going to get a number of flashbacks as with Faramir and all that. Faramir is the brother of Boromir, whose father is Denethor, steward of Gondor. He's, he's Boromir's <laughs> runty younger brother. He is, and he's treated like the runt, isn't yeah. he? And I I don't, I can't remember because it's been so long since I saw the theatrical. But I don't think the theatrical establishes the antagonism between Denethor and Faramir. Well, they don't have time to. They've got a 40-minute battle to put a squeeze in the end of the film. Yeah. But the extended one does. Yeah, a bit. Not enough. No, not enough. But a bit. Um, So we get introduced to Faramir here, Captain of Gondor. Mm -hmm. Now, the the throwback scene, uh, the flashback scene, sorry, is where Osgiliath, originally the capital, the capital city of Gondor, mm. is retaken from the enemy. Yeah. Um, because basically Gondor had three main cities: minus Tirith, minus Ithil, and Osgiliath. And Osgiliath was in between uh, minus Tirith and minus Ithil. Um, and it's the capital that has a river running through it, and. Um, the orcs took it um, when Sauron came back, but um, with the help of um, Boromir, single-handedly it seems, according to Denethor, he took it back and you know, and they held Osgiliath for a little while. And yeah, uh, uh, it extended does establish that um, sense of antagonism that Faramir offers to go to, to Elrond. To go see the go to the council, but he says, "Borrow me instead," and it sort of becomes more apparent in the third film, and ha- you know it helps establish that. So there's little things like that. I think the, this film does do well, sets up the third film in many ways. When we think about it, you talk about a five-minute battle scene. There isn't much battle in this. We've had the wags after two hours. You had a little bit of battle at the start, and then we're gonna get towards the end of it like a return of a Jedi style epic um, freeway battle as such mm-hmm. in comparison to some of other piece, some of Peter Jackson's other films it's positively restrained but yeah <laughs> um, we also get an inter- interlude don't we with um, Galadriel yeah where she's talking about um, she does look a little summary because we see, we go to Bat, we have a little escape to Rivendell mm-hmm. and Arwen's tale. Now, I need to fully investigate this. Essentially, the elves are leaving Middle Earth to go to the Undying Lands somewhere. Because if they remain in Middle Earth, they will die for some, I don't, I don't know, apparent reason. And. Arwen doesn't want to leave. Um, you get a bit of flashback with Aragorn, the fact that um, Aragorn said, I won't be coming back. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming back for you and stuff. And she's a bit upset. And Elrond, who seems to have visions and precog, um, says, There's nothing for If you stay with Aragorn, there's nothing for you. Um, all you're going to get is death. He's going to die. You'll be left alone, and that's it. I mean, it's already it's already it's, been established uh, that um, the the Dunedain 
live quite a lot longer than the normal because Aragorn is 80... Seven. Um, 87 something like that yeah in the um uh in the, the in the story um mm. and it looks pretty good for his age gotta say um yeah but yeah he will eventually die and Arwen will still yeah. be immortal as an elf um yeah so that's why they I guess that's one of the reasons why they go to the undying lands I, I, I can't remember the full lore about the undying lands but mm. yeah um it's just sort of like, I don't know, uh, putting a little bit more tension in the sort of kind of love triangle that's not really a love triangle, because <laughs> Aragorn has only got eyes for Arwen, Arwen's only got eyes for Aragorn, and um, Eowyn's here Eowyn's like, got eyes. <laughs> look at me, <laughs> pay attention yeah. to me, oh, no. love me. Oh, no. <laughs> Find it quite funny the scene where she says she can't cook, and Gimli takes one look at what's in the pot and goes, mm, "No." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think that was in the, um, and I don't remember that being in the books. But again, like her character no. is not particularly, like I said earlier, like her character in the book, right up until partway through the third third book um her character absolutely does not pass the Bechdel test because it's she all mm. she is there is to be like a uh uh not even a jilted lover <laughs> just she's just there just <laughs> lusting after various male characters and that's about it or uh, either yeah. either that or or um worrying about her brother or, yeah I shouldn't worry about her brother too much it's more lusting after Aragorn in this one yes but um She's, she hasn't been happy for weeks or something. I fear that says mentions that I wish she could have made her happy and give her more joy in her life and stuff. Yeah, and then later on in the third story, as we'll see, she has a triumphant, magnificent moment of her, her of heroism and then goes straight mm. back into just lusting after random dudes. <laughs> She's not... I'm going to say this now. I love Tolkien. Uh, he did not know how to write women very well. Um, no, but there you go. <laughs> it was a different time. No. <laughs> um, no. Where are we next? Um, so where are we? We've got Frodo. Actually, Fox and Frodo are with Faramir. So Gladriel does mention that this is a turning point in the War of the Ring, as such. Mm -hmm. All Faramir has to do is take the ring mm -hmm. and the Dark Lord wins. Yeah. So He does it and it's not like <laughs> it's it, the way it's presented in the book is a little bit more like how Gandalf before and then Galadriel afterwards are offered yeah. the ring and and then reject it. Mm. They briefly consider it and then reject it. Faramir has that moment, um, and it's it's like Faramir has the uh, as much as his father looked down at him as being weak, and he always felt he was inferior to his brother. Faramir had the strength to 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 say no to the ring that Boromir didn't. Um, yeah, it does, and there seems to be a law in Gondor that about the One Ring that if you don't take the One Ring. You're going to be put to death. 
or exiled. Yeah, stupid. It's a pretty stupid rule, but there you go. Brother, you, you like we have the one ring. If you have the one ring, take it. Well, they, but I guess like, Isildur claimed it, so and Isildur yeah. was from Gondor, therefore it belongs to Gondor, and they feel that like they can use it as a weapon. Yeah, silly men. Well, this is it. Um, you also—it's not really explained that much, but when um, Gollum comes into this pool, that um, this is like a secret pool for um, Gondor. That it's um, for the fish, and he's desperately taking fish. And if he takes the fish, he's going to die. Cause if you fish in this pond, you get executed. Seems to get executed for quite a bit in Gondor at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, doesn't sound like a particularly nice place, to be honest. I mean, it looks lovely, and as we saw in the, the mm. last film, apparently it's got a really good library. But, um, yeah. yeah, they're a little bit, uh, yeah, a bit a bit crazy with the laws. Yeah, it seems yeah. so. Um, and this is where we've seen, we talked about a bit of a redemption of um, Smeagol, where Smeagol kicks out Gollum. Mm-hmm. Um now you sort of see the downfall of a return of the old um, of Gollum. Well, Gollum uh, feels betrayed. Betrayed? Yeah, he does feel betrayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Frodo has told he either goes down and gets him, or Faramir will kill him. So, which is literally no choice. So he goes down and convinces him to because one point. Gollum wasn't captured when Frodo and Sam were captured. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically convinces um, Smeagol to come with him. The men take him and they give him a right beating. I think that was partly as well to do. It's not just the fact that they just take him. They actually give him a right beating. Yeah, Yeah, and that, that's the moment, yeah, so, like you say, that Smeagol loses out to Gollum. And Gollum, yeah. Gollum takes the reins again. Uh, and starts yeah. actively yeah. plotting their downfall. Yeah, yeah. we'll see more of Oof. in the next film. That's it. And Faramir knows Gollum's a problem. He, he knows he's watched him, and you can see him change. It's funny when I was watching the arm when you see Smeagol like hiding, crying after the beating he's taken. If you watch his arm, every time it's Gollum speaking, it's like patting him on the shoulder. Yeah, he's like giving himself a little. Hug, and when it's Smeagol talking, the patting stops. It was interesting. It was just little touches like that, that just made it, you know, really powerful. How the transformation happened before, and now the transformation goes back to, is going back to Gollum. Gollum's taking over again. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on what's happened so far, Nick? Um, not really. No. I, I have to say, for for the majority of this film, I, I didn't see the hype of it, I think is, is fair to say. Um, mm. The undercooked mm. characters, um, like I say, the, the only bits I really enjoyed in the first two acts uh, were the Merry and Pippin and the Sam Frodo Gollum bits, which even the Sam yeah. Frodo Gollum bits were really thin on actual content. It was kind of just them walking around a bit basically mm-hmm. um it, it 
for the first two thirds, it was very much a filler sort of mid mid trilogy movie for me. Mm. Yep. There's, there's some sense of development, I think, with Frodo with the ring and stuff. He's seems to be weak. But again, that mostly comes towards purpose. the beginning of the third act rather than the end. You know, the first yeah. two. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it was little moments, but like you said, there's little development in the main. I think the, I think like you said, probably the main thing is probably Gimli and Legolas getting more of a mm. camaraderie and more of a fe- fellowship with mm-hmm. each other and friendship. That's probably the main ones. Anyway, Faramir decides to take Frodo and Sam, along with Gollum, to Gondor. He's going to take him back. And they have yeah, they're taking back to Osgiliath, right? Yeah, we're going to take him back to Osgiliath. Take him back all the way back to Osgiliath, which, if you look at the maps, is still it's a good fucking trek away from where they were supposed to be going. And then at the end, he's yeah. like, uh, and then like, yeah, there's there's an attack on Osgiliath, and then one of the ring raids is there, and Frodo's about to put the ring on, and blah 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 blah, and then Faramir's like, do you know what? Off you go, you go and finish off your story. Yeah. And it's like, he didn't say like, well, can I have a lift back? <laughs> to where you took us from <laughs> this is miles out of our way <laughs> it's quite a trek from Osgiliath yeah. back to um, back to the mountains yeah it, it does take him doesn't it it, it, it is well 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 out that doesn't way. happen in the book it's in there there's they don't go to they don't go to they don't go to Osgiliath at all in in the well, book no. it's the it's in those caves uh, above Caves. the pool, that everything happens yeah. there. Um, Faramir resists the urge to take the ring and lets Frodo, Sam, and, and Gollum go. That's that's yeah. how it happens in the book. And I think that's probably how it should have played out in the film. Obviously, it's less visually spectacular, but it's just... Mm. Uh, it was just a little bit... Mm, a little bit more than needed to have been done. But whatever. I'm not going to question Peter Jackson. He obviously knows how to make a film a lot better than I do. (laughs) I suppose you've got that scene as well where the the wraiths sense the ring. Yeah, they can always sense it. And and it's an Osgiliath, so they think it's going to Gondor. And I suppose that's a part of the thing where it's the purpose of Sauron to attack Gondor. Mm -hmm. Um, it's because if he thinks the ring's going to go to conduct by his tariff. Yeah. Um but yeah Faramir like shoots the fell beast um, the fell beast um, goes Frodo um, almost kills Sam or threatens to with um, Sting seems to have gone a bit crazy yeah. under the power a of little the bit like uh, um, Bilbo did back in Rivendell in the last yeah. film yeah yeah you can see the power of a ring. Yeah, it's starting to corrupt him. Yeah, it is, and that's going to feed into the third film even yeah. more. You, you can see, and this is it. You, you look at Gollum. Gollum becomes more and more interesting because you, sometimes you wonder, "Ooh, that's Smeagol again," but then you realise, "Ah, no, it's still Gollum." Seems to be coming to the fore again and again. Just like when they're talking about um, in Osgiliath, I can't remember the whole speech, but basically how the heroes and carry on and you know 
been we'd never give up and stuff and you almost see sense maybe that um Smeagol's t- listening and he's gonna be re-emerging and take over the body but as you discover later it's not he he's too weak he's uh, Gollum is the stronger one stronger personality that wins out mm-hmm. later yeah um so that I will leave Frodo and Sam walking um in the trees looking for Gollum and Gollum basically says she will help us mm-hmm. which is a strong hint about what's coming in the third film yes in, um, and that's uh, if you he, listen to the last episode uh, I inserted a little clip of um, Peter Woodthorpe um, as Gollum in the radio play and right. uh, Bill Nye as Sam um, right. and it's the bit where he's there, he's, Sam's pretending to be asleep and he's listening into Gollum talking about because yeah. I just wanted to I put that in because I wanted to show people the um, how Gollum has voiced in the radio version and it's I'd say, like I said in the last episode, it's my favourite portrayal of of Gollum. Um, obviously, Andy Serkis did an incredible job, but it's just it's just the one that I grew up with. So you know, um, and it's <sighs> it's that that moment where he's like Gollum's talking to himself, and he starts to formulate mm. the plan to take them to her, or she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this way, they're walking. That's where he formulates his plan. Yeah. You know, yeah. So they don't really hear what's going on. No, no. Um, Whereas in the book, Sam Sam hears him plotting, but doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about. No. Yeah. And we'll we'll <clears> return <throat> to she in our third episode. Yeah. But let's return to the main event. This is the main thrust of the story and how it all leads to probably the, one of the most epic battle scenes put to film would we say okay I would like to or shall we just focus on Isengard what do you want to do I'd like to play a little game <laughs> so Nick yeah would you like to guess how much of Two Towers the book is taken up by the Battle of Helm's Deep are we doing like percentages <laughs> um yeah well, you know like all, all fractions or whatever um like maybe a sixth a sixth of the book okay oh it's a 500 page book on page uh it's it's what do you mean it's not a 500 page no. book it is a it is a 742 page book no sorry it's got oh it's going to be a lot less than a sixth now isn't it <laughs> okay so on page 526 um, I've got it here as 352 pages. Oh, okay. My my print, my sixth edition is... That was the first edition in France. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, it may be just... Are you talking about the Two Towers itself, or are we just talking about... Because remember, a lot of things is that sense of six books. Yeah, I know. It's split into two books. Yeah. No, so this is... Uh, 507, 597, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, so, page 526, um, the Brahirim and Gandalf and, and everyone leave Edoras. Mm. On page 542, the battle ends. 
It is one chapter. Yeah. In the entire wow. book. Wow. That is it. And it's one of the shorter chapters in the entire book. It's one, two, 17 pages. 17 pages. Uh, that's the entirety of the Battle of Helm's Deep. In the cinematic version of the <laughs> film, it is 40 minutes long, and it's longer than that in the, the uh, extended edition of it. Um, I think it is one of the best battle scenes um, ever committed to film. I'd say it's up there with, like, you know, the beach landing scene in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, it's the last time we would ever see Peter Jackson show any kind of restraint when filming a battle <laughs> in a film. Um, and even with that restraint, like I said, it's it's 40 minutes to probably possibly an hour long in the extended edition mm. of just a battle. Um, there's a lot more in there than... It's like... In the book... They they don't feel the um, Tolkien didn't feel the need to go into quite as much detail about everything that was happening. It was just a battle happened, <laughs> essentially, yeah. and then it looked like it was going to be going wrong. And then Gandalf and the Rohirrim turned up and then crushed the the the, the Urukai, and that was the end of it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the in the film that happens that wasn't in the um, in the book. Um, for example, the elves turning up. Yeah, that's not in the a book. complete invention by Peter Jackson. That's not in the book at all. Um, but I do like it because it does hint back to it's, it's mentioned the old alliances. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I also wonder when were they sent? Because it's still a long walk to the Gap of Rohan from um, Lothlorien. From Rivendell. Is it from? I think... But or are they from Lothlorien? They're from Lothlorien. Okay. I think Elrond was mind communicating with Galadriel um, to send... Because they can do that through magic, essentially, probably. But send some troops. And Galadriel has access to his wishes. Yeah, you're right. Aldir, Haldir, who commands them, was an elf of Lothlorien. Yeah, so they are from Lothlorien. And I, I do like it because it does... Hint back to that start of the fellowship. It does hint back to the old alliances of men and elves. But um, I also wonder. Well, I come back into the third film. You know, <laughs> they don't last too long, but they are pretty effective in this battle. Yeah, they help out for a bit. Mm. Um, they, they seem to be mostly there because they've got quite quite pretty mm. um, armor. Um, and it gives Aragorn a chance to bark commands in Elvish for a while. Uh, and then you get to have a scene of, of um, uh, Haldir injured, like looking around at all the dead elves and then feeling sorry and then dying. And then Aragorn gets to be really sad at the fact that Haldir's dead. But it doesn't really, <clears throat> doesn't really affect the battle at all, to be honest. Um, I didn't hate that that aspect of the I mean it, it was just like it was I don't know it was it, it was it was uh out of all of like the bits that are leading all of the like sort of just building up to the battle we know it's gonna happen and we know it's coming and the the building up to the battle 
especially in the extended edition. I can't remember how well paced it is in the theatrical version, but the extended edition is just a little bit too much of it. Hmm. Of just this battle's going to be bad. This, this battle's going to be really bad. Hey guys, did you know this battle's going to be bad? Mm. Yeah, this battle's going to be bad. Um, lots of people are going to die. Hey guys, did you know? Lots of people are mm. going to die. We might lose this one. I think lots of people are going to die. Building up and up and up and just raising the, the stakes and the, the, the tension and then then inserting a weird comedic bit where Gimli puts on a um, big chainmail shirt that's too long for him and he says, oh, it's a little tight across the chest. And it's like, okay. Um, there's a bit of emotional whiplash there. Um, I could have done with a hell of a lot less of the preamble to the battle. Um, but once the fighting starts, I think it's incredibly well shot, uh, incredibly well paced. Um, the right from the moment that like the the orcs like march up and then they're standing there and then that guy accidentally looses an arrow and kills one of them right up until Gandalf and the Rohirrim turn up. Uh, that whole battle sequence, I think, is fantastic. What did you think of it, Nick? Yeah, I um. It was a great, great film sequence. Um, film sequence? Battle sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, <laughs> I think it's probably one of the best that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, at least. Pretty much epic, perfectly timed, perfectly paced. Uh, good amount of developments. Um, good CGI. Um like really good CGI Not a for, for the huge time. Huge amount of it, no. either. No, but just enough to fill the picture, basically, isn't it? Yeah, and give just you the s- bit where they blow the hole in the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some of it is just struggling to think. I mean, they, they use CGI to like when you when the camera pans out and you see like yeah. the vastness yeah. of the army. That's what I mean. Like, it's more the, the ones the in the filler, background, isn't though. it, to make it feel more yeah. than just what's on the camera. Um, yeah, they developed some really, really cool technology of being able to like um, randomly generate lots and lots and lots of soldiers in a computer. Yeah. Um, they talk about it in the special features. It's really, really interesting um, stuff that they developed to, to be able to do that. But like, apart from that, where it's just like filling out a bit of a wide shot or showing like the wall being blown in the wall, it's all practical. It's all done in camera. It's all real sets, mm. real people in rubber suits and armor and whatnot and. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, thirty long nights getting pissed upon in a river rain, you know, adds to it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I heard it. Took, it took a hell of a long time to film it, as you'd expect. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it, it is truly epic. It's been it's inspired so many films. When I mean, look at Game of Thrones, the last season, when the um, undead attack. I mean, but also what I like about this. Now this was different because you could see what was happening yeah that's, that's what I'm going to say you can actually see what's happening and it's not like a Michael Bay film where the action's cut in such a way that you can't see what's happening you could actually physically what you can actually see what's happening you can track what's happening you actually know what's going on in each section because there's two sections there's the main keep you itself can, and then the, yeah. the lower battlements and then it's like the, the inner courtyard and then yeah. like the main wall and everything it's like you know where all the characters are at all times yeah, yeah like you said there's not lots and lots and lots of stupid fast cuts every second or whatever lots of long shots yeah um, there's a there's a real weight uh, to the combat mm. um I mean, I was what, what if there's 
there's like the the sort of payoff of a setup mm. from the previous film about the whole no one tosses a dwarf yeah. uh, yeah. bit when they're like there's the the guys are like banging on the the orcs are banging on the door of the inner keep and Aragorn and Gimli are like oh we can we can take it yeah. and then Gimli's like you'll have to toss me but don't tell the elf <laughs> um, and that and I like I even I kind of like I quite like the the the, the yeah the the I know I said earlier that the it, it was a bit much the 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 humorous stuff the humor between Legolas and Gimli it's a bit more there than Ooh. there was in the in the book and it's it's simply because the battle's one chapter in yeah. the book um there's a hell of a lot less of it and so they stretch that stuff out a bit more in the film but yeah I, I, I it was it it wasn't too much no. I think actually it was it was more um takes the edge off what would would have would have otherwise just been a pretty um harrowing battle sequence well, i say i mean one of the things it pans out doesn't it and all you can hear is gimli going 12 13 <laughs> 14 you can hear this booming voice yeah. going over over the battle as he kills a number of arcs. yes as the like the camera pans up to so you can see like all the how many soldiers there are still left to come <laughs> in. yeah it's good it's good um Good. And then it goes on for ages, <laughs> but it's all really good stuff. Um, the the fighting on the, the like the ladders coming up mm. and the fighting's on the wall, and then like the desperate attempts to stop the guy with the torch. Yeah, I mean, like what looks like a magnesium torch uh, running through yeah. the soldiers to set off the bomb that's under the the drain. Um, and that's set up because is it in? In the book, it's magic that destroys a wall. It's magic, yeah. It's n- it's not explicitly said no. what it is. It's not gunpowder, no. as what it seems to be in the in the film. Yeah. It's, it's just some sort of Saruman's magic blows the wall. Yeah, while yeah. here it's um, gunpowder or science. Yeah, you know, it's the introduction of science into um, Middle Earth or magic. Or we magic. don't know. It could be just some sort of magical powder. That can be ignited. Well, yeah, you know, we don't, we don't know. know. Yeah, um, but yeah, it blows the um, drainage area of um, yeah the wall, and you, you do get a lot of um, jumping about into what Aragorn gets jumps into what. I mean, I tell you what, if I was in that battle, I would not be jumping into armored orcs, you know, with their weapons raised. There does seem to be a lot. No, because of- their armor is a bit spiky to start with. <laughs> Uh, and I don't imagine they keep it particularly clean, so you'll end up getting tetanus. No, no, no. It's quite a lot. Um, it's quite a lot of that. Yeah, there was lots and lots of um, Legolas being a bit of a like uh, surfing downstairs on his shield yeah. whilst shooting lots of people with his like. And like, I don't particularly like. Timothy, uh, Timothy. I was going to say Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> Why am I saying Tim? It's because we were talking about Oliphants earlier. Um, what's his name? Who? He plays Legolas. Oh, Orlando Bloom. Bloom. Orlando Bloom. There was an O in there. That's <laughs> um, Yeah, Orlando. I, I don't really like Orlando Bloom as an actor, mm. and I, I didn't particularly like his portrayal of Legolas. Mm. Um, I, it's not bad, but it's not. I could have. Plenty of other actors I would have rather have seen in that role, to be honest. This was his first um, acting role, but I didn't wasn't it? Quite. Was his first, uh, major... first big acting role? Yeah. yeah. 
Did he break his back? Or something? I, I yeah. seem to remember him saying he broke his back before he filmed. Uh, I think so, yeah. I think all of them injured themselves quite badly at some point during the filming of this. Yeah. But he broke his back before even Lord of the Rings and as soon as he said his first major one, I think it was good. I think I think he holds an elf as he should be. I think mm. it's just more the direct Peter Jackson saying this is what an elf can do and can surf downstairs on a shield. Which is visually looks quite good. But in practice would an elf do that? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, one, thing I, knows? one thing I did like when the uh, break into the inner keep um, with, a, with a battering ram there's a guy, a mm. Rohirrim, who gets skewered by the um, battering ram and then, which yeah. just drags him forward and he clanks his head against the um, one of the battlement, one of the, a rock and then falls to the side. Yeah. I just thought that just like, I don't know if it was improvised or if it was just an accident or whatever, but I just thought that was pretty cool. That, what, like the stormtroopers? Yeah. Like the guy that bangs his head on the door. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It, um, it's just very, it's a very gritty, very realistic battle. It is, it is. He did, Peter Jackson did an incredible job of taking a very, very small piece of the story and fleshing it out. Because, like, most of what happens in that one chapter in the book is, like, uh, the battle's already happening when they get there. Um, and, uh, uh, what's his name? King. Theoden. With the Rohirrim. Theoden and, and uh, Aragorn mm. and Gimli and Legacy are riding up and they're like, they keep coming across different generals and getting reports on what's happening yeah. in the battle and whatnot. You don't, you don't actually see a huge amount of fighting. It's more like, by the time they get there, the battle's already started. It carries on for a while and then, um, uh, Gandalf shows up yeah. and that's about it yeah. um, and that kind of wouldn't have worked in the film so I understand why he did it mm. um, and it's like he spent quite a long time you know, playing up how how huge this army that Saruman's put together is you've got to do it justice and put in a decent length battle um, it's yeah it's the best one um uh, of all of the all of the battles it, that Peter Jackson mm. has portrayed in Middle Earth, because um, uh, mm. there's two there's two more after this, um, it's it's the best yeah. by far. And it's not even the rain doesn't interfere with your viewing. You know, like we talked about Game of Thrones, you can't see a bloody thing because they filmed it mm. that way, the fog and stuff. Yeah, but the rain doesn't affect your viewing. It does no. enhance it. You know, little things. I, I do love the fact that it starts off with that guy who basically loosens the arrow by accident, which yeah. winds the orc even more. <laughs> yeah. But one thing is, what, what for, Saruman produced a 10,000 man army in super quick time. Unbelievably quick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, he's producing these uruk like, I don't know, like, the well, they're phone. grown, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but it must have been grown. It must, it must have been enhanced with his spells because he's not grown 10,000 orcs just like that. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's Saruman was the most powerful of those wizards. Mm. Um, and the wizards, they're not just like, you know, in other fantasy um, franchises where a wizard is yeah. just like, 
a person who's good at magic. They were like semi-primordial beings uh. who were around from almost the beginning of time. Yeah. So yeah, dude, dude's probably, pretty powerful. Probably got some, probably got some mad fertilizer recipe. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, um, and he's got like got the police round all the time because of his electricity mm. bill and they want to have a, have a <laughs> <laughs> and they find out he's just mining bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> I'm not growing weed I'm not, I'm not growing orcs I'm mining mining bitcoin um yeah <laughs> um yeah the battle goes on for a while and then um the orcs bit th- through Thaden's like um, let's yeah, the orcs break through and then they put then um, they run into the caves. Uh, so. That's why they do the 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 uh, tossing the dwarf to help clear the yeah. the bridge a little bit so that they can re like barricade the door a bit more. And then Thaden's like, let's ride out mm. and fuck him up. It might be the end of us, but it's better than dying in a cave. Mm. And so they all ride out, push the orcs off the bridge. Big fight. Oh, it's dawn yeah. on the third day. Oh, look, there's there's uh, Gandalf. Oh, and there's there's um, Aemir. Uh, Aemir and all of the Rahirim, and then they ride down an impossibly steep hill. Oh, that's unbelievable steep! Straight in <laughs> to a front line of orcs with their spears put like held out in formation. Or like, so many of these horses are going to die. The orcs did perfect. The orcs were perfect. Per- yep. If you're in control of that battle, but then the general- sun came up and they were blinded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but it's like I the yeah. And then then they're the, the sort of like sweep over them like a wave. But it's like when they put their spears at every single time, I'm like, so many of those horses are going to die. Mm. But we're all blinded and they are swept over. Poor Glimmy doesn't get much of the action though. He's left blowing the horn at the start. Yeah. For Helm's Horn. Um, but yeah, it basically forces this 10,000 strength army to flee and run into a forest that's just suddenly appeared. And it turns out Fanghorn has arrived at Helm's Deep. Yeah, the entire forest arrives. Yeah. And all the. Yeah, they all get fucked up. Mm. Oh, meanwhile, um, the Ents are uh, fucking up um, um, Isengard. Isengard. Yeah. Uh, crushing everything, uh, breaking the dams in the river and flooding everything, um, stomping on orcs, throwing rocks on orcs, having a whale of a time. Merry and Pippin are riding around on Treebeard's neck and throwing rocks, throwing rocks at orcs. You've also got, um, got a couple of events, one on fire, one being chopped. Um yeah, they, they, they get saved pretty quickly. Well, yeah, that one, uh, one on fire, I watched it quite carefully this time. One on fire, when the river comes in, ducks its head into the water. Which fire was the Yeah, time? he puts his head into the water to, go, to, <laughs> to put the fire out. Um, yeah, so that's like, so So now Saruman, in, uh, Sar- it's just Saruman and Grima alone oh. in that tower. And uh, we'll come back to them in the next film. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> a lot. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of complaints. <laughs> um, to be fair, but yeah, we'll come on to that in the next one. Yeah. But yeah, that's about it, right? Merry and Pippin get some food. Um, 
Yeah. Smoke some um, some pipe weed. That's it. And the closing scene is basically scrolls up to Mordor and the fell sweeping around. So, our thoughts on the film. On, on, on aspects of the film. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out. I, f- I love the film. I think in terms of CG, apart from Helm's Deep, I think it's quite weak at certain parts. And maybe it's just the technology at the time, or how it's done. It was. Or how it's done. It, it, it was, I think it was a technology at the time combined with the fact that Peter Jackson had never made a big mm. budget visual effects mm. heavy film before. And he did his absolute best to make the vast majority of it physical sets, miniatures, Mm. costumes, and that stuff looks fantastic, and it will always look fantastic. Physical effects always look great. Yeah. But um, the visual effects stuff, the best visual effects from... 90s early 2000s are ones that sort of use them obscuringly for example the t-rex scene in the first jurassic park film shot at night in the rain still looks fantastic because the way they shot it at night in the rain and used puppets as much as they possibly could um peter jackson kind of relied quite a lot for certain scenes on green screen and as we know from the star wars prequels sorry nick um, yeah, that's green fair. screen from that period of time does not look good mm. um, and it's really really jarring there's 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 always one or two scenes in, in every big Peter Jackson film from that period of time well even the Hobbit films as well yeah. um, but especially the Lord of the Rings films and King Kong, King Kong. um there's a number of special effects shots that just look really, really bad. And like I mentioned one in particular in the, the Fellowship of the Ring, which is when Saruman's stepping down the steps of Orthanc to speak to Gandalf. Mm. And it's like, it's green screen behind him. And it's just, it looks off compared to the rest of the film. And it's like instantly jarring. Um, the shot where you see Gandalf and, and uh, Eomer riding down the hill towards the orcs that shot like when when the camera's like looking up at them um as they're coming down the the movement of the of them uh it's like i i don't know it's really hard to describe the movement of them and the like the green the very obvious Mm. green screen behind them it just looks really off uh and yeah there's a few shots like that Mm. that just Look really bad. Yeah. Um, and Weta, Weta Workshop and Weta Digital did the best. Well, specifically for this, Weta Digital did like they did fantastic work mm. with the technology that was available at the time. You go back and you watch. I mean, they were making the special effects for these films in the late nineties, early two thousands. Computer technology was not no. what it is today, and you can see that they're, they're they're running. You can see that the, the equipment they were using to make these yeah. effects, and it's like, well, some of like, it's amazing that they managed to do what they did. I, I think Orphank and the battle with the Ents is the, the battles at the end are amazing. I don't think there's much wrong yeah. with those. I think it's more. I think one of the issues for me was when uh, Merry and Pippin are walking with Treebeard, and the background of it just looks. You know, it's because it's green screen, yeah. and 
it would have been them on a physical like treebeard maquette yeah. of, of of treebeard on like some sort of, either on like the, the that was moving itself or they were moving the camera in front of it to make mm. it look like it was moving and then the green screen behind yeah. it and it just looks off yeah and yes there's 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 it's it is what it is yeah it is what it is i mean um but but it's because it's i think it's because it's used so sparingly when you see it it's quite jarring yeah because the rest of it is as much as possible physical sets matte paint backgrounds yeah and that stuff looks incredible yeah and i think you notice it more in two towers because they almost have to do more in two towers you know there's more fantastical creatures oh i don't know I mean, the third film has got uh, yeah, by far the worst yeah. physical effects yeah. moment in any of them. But in terms, I think also sorry, say compared to the Fellowship, the Fellowship seems. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Fellowship itself is doesn't not is not as bad in terms of effects and no. that's just the technology over time. But but even the ones that are in there that like were obviously done with computers, like the 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 cave troll yeah. in Moria, uh, that still holds up. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It's like quest how certain technology that they used holds up, and some of it, some some of the other stuff doesn't. It's just, it's it's odd. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd. But yeah. Um, in terms of my thoughts in the film, I like I said, it's it's just shades it as my favourite of the three. Um, I love the first two, particularly the first one for the way that it sets up the world, the character, the, the way that it introduces and develops the characters. Um, it feels like an epic journey, whereas the actual journey aspect... I mean, the the vast majority of the, the actual journey is covered in the first film. They don't have to go that much further once they get to the third film. It's just <laughs> they keep on having to go back and forwards. Um, the... Yeah, so for that, I love the first film for that. Uh, the second film I love for the sort of... Well... <sighs> The, the the more action I guess aspects of it, um, and the introduction of some of the other parts of the of, of Middle Earth, and some of the other big players that will come become more important in the third film. Um, the third film is still good, still very good, um, but it's nowhere near as good as the first two, in my opinion. And the second one for me is like it's ever so slightly better than the first film, although I have a feeling. The next opinion is different. Go on, Nick. Um, I think the first film was better than the second. Um, okay. I mean, I'm, yeah. That's. I, I argue like with to say for the. F- I, I think it's probably might be one that I will rewatch and it. I will think higher of it because I kind of know the plot devices mm-hmm. and what's going to happen, and I can just concentrate on getting more of the law down. Obviously. I had a bit of a head start with the first, at least the first half a few times. Um, but, yeah, yeah I just... Uh, the Helm's Deep scene was absolutely epic. Um, great battle, and that redeemed the film a lot, in my opinion. The first half, I was basically sat there sort of thinking, I'm pretty sure Mark said this was his favourite. Um but I think, you know, that's quite a fair opinion on judgment. Um, so, yeah, uh, like I say, some outstanding performances from uh, Frodo, Sam, um, Gollum, um, the 
evolution of the relationship between Aragorn and Gimli was really good. There was uh, the Merry and Pippin bit while mm-hmm. started what started as a bit of an aside then became important in the in perfect film of sowing lots of little seeds and they all came to fruition at the end. Yeah. Yep. A film within the yeah. film within the trilogy where it's got stories to tell within the trilogy. It's a difficult it's it's a very difficult story to adapt into a, it's, it's this uh, all of these were because they weren't it was written as one continuous story that was just split into three mm-hmm. books because I think if you had it as one book it would be completely unwieldy um but as a middle film it's kind of weird because it doesn't really have a beginning it doesn't really have an end um and so they had to make an epic conclusion to it, which is why the battle sequence is the the epic conclusion mm. to the story. Whereas in the book, like I say, it's it's not important. It's it's one like there is a scene that's coming up in the third film where our companions go to Warthank and confront Saruman. That scene is considerably longer in the book mm. than the entire battle <laughs> of Helm's Deep. Mm. It's not in the films. Not at all. It's not that length at all. Um, but it's just what works cinematically compared to what works in a book. Mm. It's why you can't just straight up yeah. portray a book as a film. You have to adapt it to work in a you know three-act structure or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean... Uh, and, yeah, I think they did a very, very good job. Yeah, I think it's it's got a lot of wheels to spin. You know, it's got yep. new characters to introduce. It's got a continuing story, and it's got three different stories. Because remember, Fellowship broke up. Whereas before, you're following Frodo and Sam and the Hobbits, who and the group expands, but it's all one group. So you just have it to focus. All of a sudden, they all go in different directions. You know, Rohan, mm. Fanghorn, Dead Marshes, and Mordor. All of a sudden, they're all scattered to the winds, and you're like, "Oh balls! I've got to film this and somehow tie it all in together without staying too long on each one, so you don't forget about what's happening." So we can't focus too much on Rohan because you might forget about Frodo and Sam. Oh, here come Frodo and Sam! You can't focus too much on Frodo and Sam because you need to know about Merry and Pippin. It's I for me. When I first saw it, and I think about the trilogy as a whole, when I first back in two, when, at the end of all, when I watched it all in 2002, I did think it was the weakest of the three. Mm-hmm. Fellowship is still the strongest. I think Fellowship still has a stronger spine, stronger thread through it. But I have a greater appreciation of the extended one of the Two Towers. I think the extended one adds so much more to it than it does the other two. Um, yep. In terms of deepening the story, deepening the flashbacks, deepening the characters, adding depth because it has to set up the third one. Um, moving Aragorn, his trials, you know, showing him as a leader, showing his skills as a tracker, the reintroduction of Gandalf, you know, all of a sudden being very wise, very powerful. Um, more po- less a bit scattish than he was a bit in the first. You know, you you're having to re- essentially a new character. Um, and 
I sus I mean, I've heard rumours that there are longer, um, more, long more deleted scenes. Or they've always promised maybe one point to add that might come in the new 4K edition. So you almost think there must be a bit more. There must be more maybe explaining shadow facts, a bit more explaining the importance of Rohan. Two. There could always be more. There could always be more. But it would be it would be ridiculous. <laughs> like there is more in. Uh, I mean, the, the like, uh, I keep bringing up the radio adaptation, and I will continue to bring it up until War of You go and listen to it. Oh, look, I've got um, it. I heard it. But they, well, good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Saying, I mean, it, but other people, people that are listening to Nick, this podcast, Nick needs to do it. Um, and and Nick, Nick needs to listen to it. It's very good. Uh, next time you're going on a long drive, mm. um, it's great, uh, and that is 12 hours long, mm. um, which is about the same length as the extended editions of the films. But they haven't got 40 minute or an hour or an hour and a half long battle sequences in them. Helm's Deep takes up about 10 minutes um, of one of the episodes, uh, and so they managed to put in a lot more of the stuff that the films didn't do but even that is missing loads and loads of sections of the books um you cannot put it all in no i know peter jackson probably would have loved to have done that the only way you could do that is if it was a multi-series big budget Mm. tv show and they didn't make those at that time no no i do love the two towers i do appreciate it more um I do think the extended version of the two towers is better than the theatrical. Uh, whereas, yep, it has more context. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, whereas the Fellowship, I think, works either as a theatrical or the extended. Um, yep. So I think Peter Jackson was experimenting. I think he tried to do things a little bit different, uh, like I said, about the Wild West for Rohan. Um, once mm. again, New Zealand was. The epic scenes being out there on location was brilliant. New Zealand is the star of these films. Yeah. Unquestionably. Yeah. Um, I did think Miranda Otto did really well. Um, yep. They do... She brought... Well, obviously not just her. The script writers yeah. and the director brought more to her character. Way more to her character than is in the books. Yeah. Like, she actually has a character in the film. Um and we'll see even more of her in the in the next film as well. Uh, yeah, I thought she was she was great. Um, Carl Urban, who I love, um, kind of forgettable. Yeah, but I think they lessened his role. So you put because in the books it's more Ian Veneerwin, so they just did a swap yeah. around and you, the hints of Eowyn being a shield maiden of Rohan that she wants to fight. You know, it's all mm-hmm. scattered there. That'll come to the fore in the third, third thing. And this is what he has to do, especially in the last few minutes. It's setting the scenes up for the third film, you know. Frodo and Sam are going to Seraphungal. There's something there. You know, mm-hmm. Smeagol, Gollum has a plan. The whole thing with Gollum is amazing. I just think the whole character arc from really starts in the two towers it's only across two films um, and in the first in the two towers is really good the relationship the trials and tribulations of Frodo Sam and them that's pretty, yeah I do love it yep do love it 
So go and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um I'm looking forward to talking about the third one. Uh yeah. My views are not quite as glowing about the third one than they are about the first two. Uh. Um but no. No. Well yeah, but we'll we'll come on to that. Um but yeah, the, this um I agree with pretty much everything you said. The the extended edition of, of this film adds a lot more context um to to the story than there was in the cinematic version. Still not quite enough. So I also agree with Nick's uh, assertion that the, a lot of the characters feel a little bit thin. Um, I guess maybe they feel a little less thin to us because we have the context of having read the books and know more about the characters. But if you mm. come in cold, mm. they're not fleshed out as much as they should be. Um, uh, a lot was sacrificed to make room for a gigantic battle at the end, mm. uh, whilst also telling three different storylines at the same time yeah. um, three different people like groups of characters journeys mm. um, it could have become an incomprehensible mess yeah. uh, and it didn't uh, and I think yeah the filmmakers well everyone involved from Peter, Peter Jackson on down should be commended for how well they did I know I'm, um, I have to say, and it was I think it was the, it was the last time really Peter Jackson had a a, a tight grip on the story that he was telling. They've <laughs> um, loosened a bit in the third film, and then the Hobbit. It was, it was the Hobbit trilogy. It was gone. <laughs> but I also, completely. I have to commend Jackson and his editor for doing a really good job with theatrical, because they had to cut that down to make it for theaters. And make it make they had sense. to cut like an hour out of that film. Yeah, they had to cut like because the, the, the theatrical release was like three hours, right? Yeah. And the the extended edition is four hours. They had to cut a quarter of the film and to mi- down from the extended edition to for the theatrical cut. A quarter. It's nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We had a couple of replies. Uh, about the two towers. Um, so we asked what some people's thoughts were, our listeners. So I chose Bulbasaur 27. At Bulbasaur. Past and maybe future guest Mike. 271, yeah. He said Helm's Deep is still the best large scale battle committed to screen. It is brilliant. Right, we've just, we've just waxed lyrical about Helm's Deep. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, totally agree. With that. It's it's uh, I don't know if it's like the absolute best uh, because there's some stiff competition out there, but it's it's definitely one of it's it's definitely the top five battle scenes ever committed to film. I'd say. Yeah, maybe we should do a podcast about that top five battle scenes. Um, <laughs> next one we have Doug Satire Six. He says not to jump ahead of where you're going with this, but it sets a third up to fall flat on its face. The first was all about setting the scene and the characters and was beautiful. Second was brutal, epic. The only one I saw at the cinema. I think he reflects your thoughts, Mark. And we did say it's Two Towers is more brutal. Is more epic. I think yeah. it is more spiritual. It sets some of the characters Aragorn, the conflict he faces and some of the conflicts he has with Elrond. It wasn't all 
fancied, you know, nicey nice, it was still there. You know, there was. It does set it up. Fall flat yep. on its face, the third one. I'm not totally sure, but third one will be an interesting conversation. Any yep. more thoughts, guys? Sure. Are we going to leave Helms Deep and get ready, ourselves ready for the journey to Mordor? Kettle after. Uh, the Helm's Deep sequence in the official video game was really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That is coming up. Have you played those games, Nick? The PlayStation 2, I, Xbox One, Two Towers? And... I seem to remember playing... I think I must have had a demo of the Two Towers game on PlayStation, but confusingly, mm. it was the uh, the first level, I think, was the battle from the first film. Which yeah, they, I don't think they got the game out quick enough for the okay. Fellowship. Which really confused me when I got to that battle in the film, and I was like, "Huh, I thought this was in the Two Towers because I played the game." Um, mm. But yeah, I, I played. Like I say, I played the. I think I had a demo, so it must have been just been the first level mm. or something. But it, it seemed pretty decent. Yeah, I'm going to play playing through soon. Um, I, what I remember, I played through them twice already in the past. Um, since we've been out, they are well worth playing. Um, really good um, games to get on the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. So, that ends our journey through Rohan. We are all set up to fight Sauron. Saruman is locked up in his tower at the moment. We'll see where he ends up. Not too pleasing for Mark. And we'll see you again next month when we look at the return of the king. So long. Needs a few good taters. What's taters, Brussels? What's taters, huh? Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, boil them, boil them, boil them, mash them, boil them, boil them, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, boil them, boil them, potato, 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 potato. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Potato, potatoes. Taters. What's taters, huh? Taters. What's taters,